Podcast Network. Making sure, can you hear me okay? Like, is my audio, does it sound good? Yes. Yeah, you sound okay. Okay. Yep. Great. Um, thank you so much for being patient with me and understanding. Um, no problem. Scheduling's tough. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. It could be pretty challenging. Yeah, I'm very excited to be on your podcast. Thank you. Glad to have you. Yeah. Um, you're ready? We're all ready? Yeah. All right. You know. Well, uh, I guess this is as good a time to start as any. Uh, hello, excellent humans. Welcome to another episode of Hate Watch, Great Watch. I'm your co-host, Hunter Bush. I'm your co-host, Allison Yukulis. And our guest today. Uh, my name is Monica. I am the uh, creator and host of the podcast I've been meaning to watch that, which is our new favorite podcast. We are available on all streaming platforms, and you can check us out on social media at I've been meaning to or I've been meaning to pod. Cool. Great. You suggested this film, which is cool because uh, mm-hmm. I always like when somebody suggests something I haven't seen or, yeah. or maybe haven't seen in a while, but I'd never seen this. I'm kind of surprised we missed it. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember it coming out yeah. and all the the hoopla around the Oscars that year and everything. I remember all of that, and mm-hmm. I just never got around to it. It never felt like a thing that I was like, "Oh, I really am compelled to see this," mm-hmm. um, even though mm-hmm. it it seems like a thing I should like because I like a lot mm-hmm. of the components of it. Yeah. Um, we're talking about La La Land uh, from 2016, directed by Damien Chazelle. Two hours, eight minutes, rated PG-13 for anybody that keeps track of those things. Yeah, I like musicals. I like Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling and J.K. Simmons. Yes. I liked uh, Chazelle's uh, Whiplash quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like a thing that I should like, yeah, yeah, this should be like right up my alley. And I just, every time I looked at it, I was just kind of like, yeah, maybe I'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm very glad that you guys were like open to the suggestion because all of my friends know that I love musicals and I do. Oh, and they right all on. know that I love Emma Stone and I do. I love her. She's phenomenal. She's amazing. Easy is one of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. And so when La La Land, you know, was like the trailer first came out, I saw it and I was like, okay, this does look like it's right up my alley. You know, it's very much giving like homage to like the golden age of hollywood musicals and i could see like the influences from like um west side story and other very popular musicals like that and i went to go see the movie and i was like surprised that i didn't like it (laughs) i was kind of like oh no this is bad because like all my friends love this movie like they love this movie like they kept singing like that one song i think this is the beginning where like the cars are all stopped oh, and everyone's dancing no. in the middle of traffic. It's an, another day of sun, that yeah. one. I think so. Yeah. And there's another song in the movie that people really, really like. And I forget the name for it. I'll probably remember it later. But I remember watching it and like getting to the part where um Ryan Gosling is in the jazz club with all like the black people behind him and they're all like clapping him on the back. And I'm sitting here like, <laughs> oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that scene? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, boy. <laughs> I, I had a similar experience with Short Bus, which is John Karen Mitchell. And the thing is, I love Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Mm-hmm. I, I like movies about sex, I guess, is how I'm going to describe that. You know, and... Sex the, positive films. Yeah, and, yeah. and the first time I saw it, I was just kind of like... It didn't do very much for me. It's something that did kind of grow on me over time. But like my immediate react, like I had friends be like, oh, yeah, you'll love it. This is like the movie that was made for you. And my very first reaction was just like, oh, that's that's what they think that I 
one, (laughs) you know? It wasn't, like, campy enough, really, and it wasn't, it didn't feel as, like, charming as some of his other work, because it was a bit more Mm -hmm. a straight drama rather than, like, a musical or something like that, but yeah. Yeah, there was less uh, artifice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's something I think he does very well, so I was a little disappointed. (laughs) As long as we're all, I I will contribute to this as well. I feel similarly to La La Land as I do with Midsummer. Oh, which yeah. is a movie. <gasps> oh my gosh! Which is a movie you that like Midsummer. I like it enough, but it didn't like, like Hereditary, really blew my hair back. Like I was really yeah. like, wow, this really like really shook me and like was super well uh-huh. made, and I didn't feel as like gripped by Midsummer. I think it looks great, and I, I okay. it's the same thing as as La La Land. I think it's like technically extremely you know well made and solid um Mm -hmm. and the performances are good but there's something about it that just doesn't hook me the same way and part of my problem with midsummer is the reaction to it and i think it's a very like misread film people see it as like a very feminist film and i don't it doesn't read as feminist to me no but that's but also just like watching the movie i was like oh i like this but it didn't grab me the way hereditary did i liked midsummer way more on my first watch and then but like i I like hereditary more on additional watches okay um but also i think that that was touching on some things that are like big like i really like daylight horror i really like uh when they do research so like a lot of the like things that are more referential to like medieval torture oh yeah Mm -hmm. really cool for me like i like the witch Mm -hmm. for that reason as well um all those eggers movies yeah watched hereditary first and then you watched midsummer because like i watched midsummer and then i watched hereditary oh okay. so i definitely see how what you mean because like midsummer is one of my favorite movies and mainly because like midsummer is the first horror movie i've ever watched like in full oh okay really yeah i was very surprised <laughs> by it because it was very different from what i thought horror movies would be because yeah, it's sure. all in the daylight mm-hmm. yeah. and i feel like it allowed me to like let my guard down because even watching this summer i was like i do not trust these people like <laughs> i know i know something's fishy like there's when you turn the camera in like a full 180 i'm like yeah something's going down i i know i see i peeped it but i fully understand what you mean because hereditary is wild I was talking to a friend of mine and she loves movies where <laughs> women are not like one-dimensional characters i don't know how else to say this but like she loves it when like women are wrong i guess okay like she loves this kind of movies like flawed female protagonist or yeah 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 Yeah, sure yeah where you're not just like an archetype of you know yeah damsel in distress or the madonna or the yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. the mom the slut the whatever yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. the best friend yeah right yep yeah no and hereditary is a great example of that it really is yeah yeah it is. And I was actually talking to her about Midsummer, and I agree with you on your point where you said Midsummer isn't a feminist movie because it's not, not really. The whole thing with like the festival, uh, a lot of people feel like Danny is like safe. It's possible that she's not safe. Yeah. Right. And me watching the movie the first time, I thought, oh, this is like 
revenge. Like she is right. like okay now or something. But even then, when I was watching the movie the first time, I was still like, this is strange. Like this is off putting. Yeah. And then upon watching it the second time, the third time, the fourth time, I'm like, there is something else going on here. Like when these camera, like when the story ends for us, the story is not over. Oh, yeah. And I love those kind of movies. And that's why she told me to watch Hereditary because you know same director. Yes. And Ari Aster. I asked her like, yes, Ari Aster. Mm -hmm. And I asked her like a little bit, I asked her about the movie. Like, can you tell me a little bit about the film? Cause from the trailer, it seems like it's about the young girl. Right. And <laughs> she's like, no, I can't tell you about the movie. I can't tell you anything. <laughs> and I was like, okay, girl, fine. And then I started watching the movie and I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> where do we go from here? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hunter and I had that happen with a movie that we were uh, watching for a film festival. It was Echoes of Fear. Oh, yeah. And like we watched like a trailer of it and we're like, oh, this kind of looks like nothing. It looks like had... a very generic haunted house movie. Right. But it had like all these like Ooh. accolades from other film festivals where it was like Critics' Choice of, you know, the, the this thing and that thing and the other thing. And we're like, there's got to be something else going on. And there was. It's just that you couldn't show any of it in the, the trailer without ruining a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like 70% of the movie is like a very fine but nothing special haunted, you know, haunted house movie. Yeah. And then and the then it gets other 30% is like wild. And yeah. you're just like, oh, I get why people loved this. Like, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it sucker punches you right at the end. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good one. But yeah, stuff like that's always so fun. I have a lot of issues with bad trailers. Yeah. <laughs> trailers too. are bad for the most part. Oh, yeah. I talk about it a lot on my podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, trailers that you watch and, like, the majority of the movie is in the trailer and it's like, okay, well, thank you for wasting my time. Right. There seem to be three, like, moves, quote unquote, in trailer making. One is to just show you the whole movie, which is like, okay, why? Uh -huh. The second one is to lie. It's it's a different kind of related movie. Mm -hmm. And then you go see it and you're like, it's not. Yeah. And the third one is to kind of show you nothing really enigmatically with, like, I mean, it was slowed down pop music for a while, but now the A24 model has taken over where everything has that like clicky, poppy like score. Oh, where it yeah. always has that like r that ratcheting sound of, like mm -hmm. quick, like in it at some point, and you're just like, yeah, what is like why is why does everything sound like this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah some creepy sound, or they play like a 1975 song. Yes, that's like slowed down yes. or like reverb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll remix. Yeah, something, and you're just like, yeah. I'm like, okay, kid, somebody like I don't know. I, I, this is just me griping about the state of the film industry. No. So I'm just an old grump, but like the alien trailer is fucking great. The original trailer for alien, the teaser trailer mm -hmm. doesn't tell you anything about the movie. And it's like so scary. And it's just a trailer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when you're talking about how people lie in trailers, it reminded me of the story that uh, I saw when Gabrielle union, she was doing this interview and she's talking about um, bring it on. I can't remember which bring it on movie it was, but she's talking about how like, when they first released the trailer to like test audiences, the scenes of the clovers tested so well. So they started shooting scenes with the clovers and they put it in the trailer to make it seem like the clovers were in the movie more than they were, oh. but they really weren't. And it was just to try and frog more people into the movie. Right, because they're like, oh, shitty. people like this. And they're like, well, we'll just yeah. add more footage to just the trailer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And there's always a difference between like lying in the trailer when like you release a trailer and that's what you think the movie's gonna be, and then there's like rewrites and reshoots like with Multiverse of Madness, and then the movie turns out to be a completely yeah. different thing. Right, and I mean also yeah. like stuff like Scream or whatever, where like you are intentionally doing a misdirect, but like yeah. where it's in good faith, I guess is is how yeah, I'm going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
you know. Yeah, it's 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 having fun with it rather than misleading your audience because like yeah. yeah yeah I think the trailer for La La Land actually got kind of dinged for this. I, mm. I don't I didn't watch it. Um, yeah, we actually uh, didn't. I was reading a thing that was talking about how the trailer for it looks like one of the trailers that spells out the whole movie for you, but it uses mm. one of the shots from her like dream ballet at the end yeah, to it's... make it seem like the film has like a happy ending that mm-hmm. every, you know everybody ends up together ending and people were kind of like pissed <laughs> oh my gosh and i'm just like come on y'all Please. Um, huh. yeah the ending is one of the things i genuinely like yeah most about the film and like again i like i'll start with talking about okay. la la land and I, i'll say i think it's like technically fucking great yeah. I think oh, it yeah. looks great. I think it sounds great. Yeah. I like the songs. I'm not like over the moon about any of them. I think City of Stars is probably the Oh, one yeah, that... City of Stars. That's the song. I think that yes. resonates most Very with popular. me because it's got the weird little minor key thing. Yeah. Well, and that's also the one that they reprise. Yeah. Well, I think there's two or three of them yeah. that get reprised throughout the score and oh, stuff okay. as well. All but right. City of Stars, I think, has a minor key. I think it, I, I was reading a thing, I think it crescendos in a minor key and then also crescendos in a major key. Like, yes. Which is unusual yes um i think that's why that kind of like resonates it's it sounds different to me right Um, the other ones are nice songs but i forgot them when the movie was over except for city of stars that's the only one that Mm -hmm. i still had kicking around my head yeah i like the songs i think it looks really great but i think all of those things are and and i think performances are great i think um (laughs) i think both uh seb which is ryan gosling and uh, mia which is emma stone i think they're both fucking underwritten Mm -hmm. as hell (laughs) They're their character sketches, mm-hmm. but I think they both do a lot with those flimsy characters, and they they you know they're fairly engaging, and I like watching the two of them individually and together and all that. But like, it doesn't land what I think it's trying to do mm-hmm. for me. So okay, mm-hmm. for anybody that hasn't seen the movie, the rough outline is that um, Mia is an aspiring actress. She's currently a barista. And she's going on auditions, things like that. She has a disastrous audition and is kind of bummed out at home. Her her roommates make her go to a party because you never know when you're going to meet somebody that can, you know, help your career. They do a big musical number about it. Whatever. She's at this party. She bails. Her car is towed. And um, she's walking home. She passes by a jazz club and she hears some very nice piano. And she goes in and it's Seb. Which again? It's not even a jazz club. It's a restaurant. Oh well, cause... it was a jazz club, but now they're doing uh, what is it? And tapas? No, 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 no. no Wait, no. is that not yeah. that? No, place? that's him stalking the place that he wanted his jazz club to be. Oh, okay. In, so like we mm-hmm. we we have like the opening number, and then we have kind of Mia's morning, and then we see her running into sebastian but so where she actually sees him is um lipton's or something which Mm. is like a uh restaurant that's decked out for christmas that's right and that's jk simmons yes restaurant yes okay Uh, my bad i got those confused yeah yeah Yeah, but she hears him playing piano and he's doing old standards and then he because he's a jazz guy and he can't not jazz it's important to understand how (laughs) jazz he is he's so much jazz you guys he can't turn it off no and so he plays a couple old standards and he, he can't just be happy making like Making minimum wage. What I don't. I actually don't know if piano players in restaurants make minimum wage, but like I think he's mostly working for tips. Tips, yeah. But so he's like, ah, oh, I'm gonna jazz it up a little, and he jazzes it up way too much. I would say. <laughs> I think he can get away with some jazz. Yeah. I think yeah. in this situation he could have gotten away with like forty percent jazz, but he cranked it up to like ninety percent jazz. Yeah. Um, but she liked it. She she goes up to be like, hey, I heard you're you're playing, and it was great. And he 
like literally cold shoulders her, bumps her on his way out. Yeah, he like check like like <laughs> body checks, checks her. her yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and they keep bumping into each other, and um, they notably bump into each other at a Hollywood party where he is now part of an '80s cover band. He is playing a guitar, which. I guess. Oh my god! <laughs> I guess for, that was embarrassing. It, right for a jazz guy, for a serious jazz man, he is like mortified. Right? That's I. Mm-hmm. Unironically, love guitar. Allison loves the guitar. I think that they are a lot of fun. They are. Yeah, they I'm, are. This is. I will die on this hill. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> they can be a, a lot of fun. Sure. But if you take yourself very seriously as the as the white savior of jazz, yeah, sure. Is, you can pretty much not be yeah. uh, in a worse position. Yeah. <laughs> Having to wear like a members only jacket and, yeah. and play like yeah. flock well, of seagulls covers. Maybe get out of your own way. That's mm. all I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Um, but from that. So, yeah, she requests flock of seagulls and I ran yeah. because it's relatively synth heavy. Yeah. To embarrass him <laughs> further. And then after that, they kind of hit it off and then they start, you know, yeah, they, they bump into each other. They whatever they have a no real roadblocks kind of romance she's seeing somebody but he's barely a character and yeah oh yeah like the notebook kind of romance yeah so she greg greg yeah i don't even know his name he's only there for like he's in seconds. one scene i think or two scenes a scene and a half yes. and yeah. Then, yeah he's talked about more than he's on screen yeah definitely <laughs> but yes. i should Very do th- this is a segment we do on the show pretty regularly it's welcome back to the show uh-huh. uh finn whitrock who plays greg uh, is also in episode 108, Deep Water. He's Tony Cameron from the end of that film. Oh, also, nice. also kind of a jerk. <laughs> uh, and then I, I guess the I'll do the other welcome backs because they're all kind of the same thing. So welcome back to the show. The following four people. Hunter Hamilton, Nathan Prevost, Becca Schweitzer, and Sybil Azure. All four of them were in episode 90, Gold Member, as dancers. They appear in some of the dance right. numbers in this. Oh. Cool. And uh, actually, the producer of this, uh, Mark Platt, ep- uh, produced two previous episodes: Legally Blonde, episode sixty-one, and Scott Pilgrim, episode twenty-three. Oh, those were good. Yeah, he's produced <laughs> a lot of stuff, and some of it's yeah. good, and some of it's not. Yeah. Can I also just have a little sidebar where it really threw me for a loop that the choreographer for this, her name is Mandy Moore, but it's not the singer, Mandy and actress, Moore. Mandy Moore. Oh, I thought it was. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not. Okay. It's not. I did. I saw that in the wow. in the credits, and I was like, "Oh, good for you." Well, well, I, I was like, "I'm sure she's done some dance," but I'm like, "I didn't know she had like a dance background." And I looked into it. I'm like, "Oh no, different it's person. Different Never Moore. mind." <laughs> so glad I yeah. mentioned it then. Yeah. Um, Although it would have been really funny if I was like, "Did you guys know?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, no, I mean, I I thought the dancing on this was pretty good. Oh yeah, I think the yeah. choreography is good. I think. Yeah. The cinema, like I said, the cinematography yeah. is all the very good. Shot well. Good. Oh yeah. The locations were good. Oh, the yeah. costuming was good. Like it looks great. Pick uh-huh. a thing. But it, the way it looks, it's a very clean Los Angeles. Which I've never been yeah. to Los Angeles, but I have been to Oof. cities, and <laughs> cities don't look like that. None of them. And I and see, this is where I think the whole movie falls down. It can't decide if it wants to be an old Hollywood movie or if it just wants to if it wants to be a modern movie. Right. If it wants to be influenced by right. old Hollywood movies or if it wants to be a revival of old Hollywood aesthetics. Right. And it can't kind of be both mm-hmm. and pull off what it's trying to do. Yes. Damien Chazelle not being able to pick a thing <laughs> is like <laughs> is something I also saw when I watched Babylon. See, I haven't seen Babylon yet. We I have heard like... about it, but we haven't watched it yet. Okay. I'm not gonna spoil oh, it. Please, by it... all means, go ahead. <laughs> 
there's not really that much to spoil from Babylon. Like when you watch it, you realize like, oh, it's just like, it's a little bit like La La Land where it is a film about Hollywood in watching the movie. Cause I watched it like in theaters, you know, I had like a day off and I was like, I have like an extra, like $20. I can go see a movie if I want to. And Babylon was like the one thing I saw that looked interesting. Mm-hmm. It was like, I'll go see this. Cause like, I'm never gonna have another time to see it. And I went to go watch it and, in watching Babylon, you cannot decide whether or not Damien Chazelle is trying to critique Hollywood and the greed and the hedonism that is old Hollywood, or if he is trying to romanticize it, you know, because you see like Brad Pitt's character of this guy who's a producer and Margot Robbie's character, who is this actress who's scared she's going to be aged out. And then you see another character who is an immigrant and he comes and he succeeds and he does so well in Hollywood. And there's another character who's like a jazz player, but his story is kind of sidelined mm-hmm. in the brunt of the film but you're watching it and you're just kind of seeing like the parties and like how it's it feels like great gatsby in a okay. way like the overdone like glamorization of hollywood hollywood parties making movies filming all that stuff and i'm watching it i'm like does he hate hollywood and the fact that it is so like hungry like it's such a capitalist driving machine or does he love like the cinematography the creativity the innovation mm-hmm. like the fast-paced nature of hollywood like which one is it like in la la land do you love old hollywood or do you like not like it like you gotta pick right one. yeah well, like what is can, it this you can is... say that you can be like oh it's flawed but i still like yeah. love you know yeah. i love the work yeah. that came out of it even though i don't agree with it but right. that's a very fine line and you have to really nail that down mm-hmm. so this okay i mean i had a couple of feelings Please, by all but means. i mean so first i think the distinction here is not that he's can't decide whether or not to critique old Hollywood, but that he recognizes that it's gone now. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if he's trying to tell those sorts of stories in a modern setting or if he is supposed to, you know, like, like if it's supposed to be an inspired by old Hollywood, if it's supposed to be like wholesale, like cribbing, mimicking old Hollywood or like what? Right. You, so you want to talk about the jazz thing. You want to talk about the band, the messengers. That's what you want to talk about. Right. (laughs) No, actually, that's like that. I think is what you're the central metaphor. Well, no, honestly, the thing that really struck me was oh, okay. their first like dance number when they're like walking oh, yeah. to their cars the at the party. Cliff? Yeah, at the cliff. Yeah, which I think it's just called duet. But yeah, where he's like walking her to his to her car and stuff, and they have this dance number, and it's very like singing in the rain. Oh or, yeah, that's like, that like that. what a waste of a lovely right, night song. Right. Yeah. And then it gets interrupted by a cell phone call, which would never fucking happen in one of those right. old movies. And I was like, oh, okay, this is the moment where, like, we're, you know, drawing those comparisons of, like, that doesn't exist anymore and can't. Mm-hmm. And then we don't do that. Right. Never does it right. again. Right. Never or it, or, it if, or if it does do that, it's in very, like, weak sauce kind of things of, like, you know, yeah, like the messengers having, like, their, you know, souped up jazz. Right. So. A backbeat kind of thing. But, like, mm-hmm. it's so here and there that it doesn't actually feel like it's the thesis anymore so Mm. then i'm like okay well i don't know really what we're trying to do here now Mm -hmm. so i should i should explain the messengers again if anybody Mm -hmm. hasn't seen it once they start dating they're both like trying to achieve their dreams uh Mm -hmm. you know scraping by and seb uh overhears a phone call i guess between mia and her friends or parents or something and they're asking about you know the new boyfriend and whatever Mm -hmm. and it's that he oh, yeah, it's doesn't parents. Ha- oh his parents okay he doesn't have a steady gig he doesn't have you know regular money coming in and he feels like, bad about that in a scene where he explains jazz he also meets 
Keith, played by producer, co-producer John Legend. Mm-hmm. We don't really know why right away, but he's like, yeah, I don't like Keith. Keith's not, he's not my kind of guy. But Ooh. Keith does offer him a job. And so now after he, overhearing that phone call about how he doesn't have steady work and he feels, you know, insecure about it, he goes to Keith, he takes the job. And at first, you know, as an audience, like you're, I was watching it, like this seems like a pretty prime gig. Like, you know, maybe it's too commercial because you're mm. going to be concerned with selling records and but you're getting to play jazz and then john legend hits that fucking like dj box and like the dubstep backbeat comes in (laughs) i was like oh this is why you don't like it i get this now i get it (laughs) and then they after that they have that conversation which this is the thing for me is i think it's chazelle talking to chazelle Mm -hmm. um because he's the screenwriter as well as the director yeah i think it's him talking to himself Mm -hmm. being like but jazz quote-unquote jazz means I guess specifically old Hollywood musicals in this context, but he's like, how, you know, how are you going to, you know, save jazz? You're playing to 90 year olds. Like Mm -hmm. you have to make it relevant to a younger audience. And he's like, you know, that's right. And he's like, you have to inject it with something new. He's like, and he says, how can you be uh, a revolutionary? Like all your heroes when you're such a traditionalist. And I think that's what he (laughs) thinks he's doing in the movie, but I don't think he is. Yeah. (laughs) And like, I, I don't think it's like, I think he just didn't quite nail it because yeah, it's it yeah. walks. It's neither one. Like at least the messengers is definitely new jazz. Like it is an update of mm-hmm. jazz. Yeah. This isn't That's like true. because it's not like. Wouldn't it be more interesting if even keep the colors, keep the bright saturated mm-hmm. colors, but L.A. is dirty. Yeah. And you know, looks like a real city, but you know, is saturated and colorful the way an old Hollywood film would be, mm-hmm. but is representing the reality at least a version of the reality of a major city in america in you know 2016 yeah so let's let's consider spielberg's remake of uh west side story yeah and how that has a lot of vibrant colors i think mostly as a nod to the uh the era yeah well the era and then yeah i mean like the original like version of the west side story but at the same time it also is very much highlighting how new york looks Yes, and he went out, I mean, like, also, he's got, like, budget, like, nobody's business. Sure, yeah. But he went out of his way to make it look the way New York would have looked at the time had he made it in the era. Mm-hmm, right. But it looked like a real mm-hmm. city, and, like, you know, and he also changed some of the, sub, not even subtext, but, like, the supporting, like, B-plot stories and oh, things. Oh, totally, yeah. We did a lot more, like, Instead of just being a generic, focus, like, turf right. war, it was, like, it's a turf war because the land is being developed and there's yeah. less neighborhood for everybody. Right. Which is interesting and historically accurate and, like, is portraying, yeah, old Hollywood musical in... It's not modern, but it, it is accurate to the era. Right. It's updated and it's with more nuance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what I think Chazelle thinks he's doing here. But it didn't it mm. didn't nail it. And that's I think that's what didn't hook me. Also, their whole romance is boiled down like the whole arc of their of their love story is you can't have your one true like big true love and also achieve your dreams. You have to pick one or the other, which mm-hmm. I think is cynical. And I, I'm not saying it, you can't have cynicism in a musical or this movie or anything, but I feel like that's the kind of thing that other musicals about love deal with in act two. And then they move on. I mean, usually they do have a happy ending, but like, that's just the only roadblock. The only roadblock in the film is, can you 
maintain a relationship and chase your dreams. Yeah. And they literally, they jump five years in the future and cut out the most interesting thing of the story, which would be them trying to do that and failing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I do agree with you. They're kind of like oversimplifying the issue, really, when it comes to the romance and the relationship. And I think that you see that in the scene where he overhears um, Mia's phone call with her yeah. parents where they're like, oh, well, he doesn't have a steady job. And Mia doesn't care that he doesn't have a steady job. Like, that doesn't matter to her because she loves Seb just the way he is. And Seb, being so concerned with, like, trying to be able to provide for Mia because that was a previous problem he had in his previous relationship, not being able to pay bills, he goes and takes the job with Keith, even though he hates it, but Mia wouldn't have asked him to do that in the first place. So then there's this lack of communication in the film. And that's the one thing that I find so annoying with like romances in like TV and media. It's like, if you guys just talk to each other, we can resolve these issues. Like if we have a conversation, we can like, you know, figure it out. It's sitcom logic of like, just ask one question. Like you watch like any (laughs) old sitcom and it's just like, everybody's maintaining these like very threadbare lies. And it's like, if you just went, Mm. hey, why can't I go in the bathroom again? Why can't I do that? And they'd be like, well, because I'm keeping a turkey in there. Why? And then the whole thing would be resolved in five minutes. Well, so I also almost wonder if, because like it, you know, it basically ends with like him being like, oh, a a casting agent like was calling for you and you're going to take that meeting. And she's like, I don't, I don't want to, I'm done. And he's like, no, like this, you know, this is your dream. It's going to be it. He sort of makes it like a foregone conclusion that like she's going to go off to Paris and not wait for him. And I think it's because he couldn't both follow his dreams and feel like he was, you know, providing for her that he doesn't believe that she could do that where he failed, you know? Yeah, this movie could be about, like, internalized toxic (laughs) Mm -hmm. masculinity. Yeah, maybe. It could, but it's not. I don't think it's aware that it's doing that. I just think that it's incidentally doing that. Of like, oh, well, we showed you already earlier in Act 2 that, like, you can't have it both ways. You can either follow your dreams or be in a relationship. Right. So, Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And I mean, also, I don't know, in interviews, they were more talking about like, oh, well, this isn't necessarily about like a big love story so much as it's about like finding a person that you can really grow with and that can transform you. And but you don't even grow together. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I yeah. mean. <laughs> they both encourage each other, but yes. then he but then takes they grow that, separately. Right, right. He takes that job <laughs> yeah. and has to learn. He has to learn about compromise, yeah. which is a thing he should have learned because he said that's what jazz was. Right. Jesus Christ. Right. It's about everybody collaborating and working together and arguing and uh-huh. coming back around and it's still about, playing that bass. It's about melody. conflict yeah. and compromise, you know. Right. Jazz. Like yeah. I swear to God, I want I love I really like Ryan Gosling as an actor. <laughs> I think he's very charming. But listening to anybody explain jazz <laughs> makes me want to fucking claw my eyes out. <laughs> right? Because like <laughs> there's no there's no like explaining jazz you it's like you listen to it and you either like it or you don't like it and i have news for anybody out there that's ever bounced off of jazz there's probably jazz you would like because you know what there's a lot of fucking jazz there there's is so much fucking jazz and some of it is really yeah. great and some of it is nothing yeah i feel like we've talked about this on the show before jazz no oh, okay. i was like i don't think i ever brought up jazz before. no i feel like it's the ethos of this show that like not everything's for everybody but that everything's worth a look and that you can usually find something to like about whatever you're watching sure, or whatever yeah. you're consuming and stuff and yeah and so anybody that's like oh yes i do not fuck with an entire genre of right. a thing yeah people that are like terrible. I, I don't like country western music right. or mm-hmm. i don't like rap or right. i don't like and i'm just like i guarantee there's something you would right. like like if you can't name me one 
one song that breaks that mold, then right. I'm like, well, then you didn't give it a shot, though. Because, like, I can absolutely yeah, do that for anything true. I hate. It's just that, like, for certain genres, I'm like, oh, yeah, a lot of the core things in here I don't really enjoy. So when somebody's not doing it very well and is just doing it fine, uh-huh. I don't have a good time because right. I don't find it, you know, inherently enthralling. Right. But... Like, I personally yeah. do not enjoy the films of Richard Gere. Uh-huh. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in a movie called Breathless. It's a remake of a French film. And I actually really like that. And I was yeah. like, when I watched that, I was like, I like this despite the presence of Richard Gere. Yep. Who usually just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Right. To your point where you say, like, there's a lot of jazz. It brings me, it brings me back to, like, Sebastian's whole character. Mm-hmm. Unlike how he is, like, such a jazz purist. Yes. And then Keith's character. Because I remember watching it, like, in theaters when Keith walks into stage, I was like surprised it was John Legend because no one told me John Legend was in this movie. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he acts. Oh, that's awesome. He's buried in IMDb. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I think because he's he's a producer. Yeah, I, I'm guessing he's probably like friends with Damien Chazelle. And it was probably like, sense. do you want to play this guy? Like, it's not that many scenes and most of it is just being a musician. Or maybe he wrote it for him. Like, and it's mm-hmm. easy. Like, you don't got to, like, try. Plus, like, John Legend's extremely yeah. charismatic. Like, he has charisma. So, he like, is. that makes Seb saying, I don't like Keith, interesting. Yeah. Because you're just like, really? He's a very likable man. It's John Legend. Do you not know? Um, like, <laughs> I do also believe that John Legend wrote Start a Fire, which is the song that they play at their show. Oh, that the Mia's Messenger at. show. Yeah. 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 He did write it. And that he was specifically trying to write something that could be like a commercial like single but also be something that is absolutely antithetical to a purist's version of jazz sure and that it was a a difficult like needle to thread for him to do yeah yeah and i mean yeah it's kind of a bop but also it very much yeah sounds it's a horny song it well yeah it's very horny (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) like watching it i was just like okay (laughs) <laughs> they also have those dancers out there too yes the dancers when the dancers oh, come yeah. out it's so funny and like the thing is you can see seb and he's enjoying himself yeah he's not miserable playing that he's not as miserable yeah. as he was when he was playing like and i ran at the you know on the guitar mm-hmm. he's like this isn't maybe my thing but like this is fun uh-huh yeah so it's like how bad could it, you're yeah. having fun doing a thing you're getting paid well to do like i understand it sucks and it takes you away from home but uh-huh. like but yeah, when he does explain the, like, we tore this album for years, then we record a new album, then we tour that for potentially years. I was like, yeah, that is actually, like, mm-hmm. the, the thing. That yeah. is, like, how he makes, that's how musicians make money. Musicians, They yeah. go on tour. Allison and I watch a lot of wrestling, and that's kind of the thing with wrestling, too, is, like, yeah, you, you, you're on the road mo- more than your home. Yeah, like, it's true. And I think that, like, when Sebastian said he didn't like Keith, like, me watching the film, Keith is the only person I see of color on right, the film yeah. who has, like, speaking lines. So he's like, I don't like Keith. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, um, I, I I guess we're going down this route, I guess. But then when I see, like, uh, him playing at the jazz club and then Keith's music, I'm just like, okay, context is important in this scenario. And I understood the context of, like, he likes old school jazz and Keith is, like, doing, like, newer jazz, almost, like, to the younger audience. When he has the scene with Keith and he says, like, what you said, like, how can you be a revolutionary like all of your heroes? And it's so, I don't know how to say this, but, like, when he says all your heroes, like, you're disappointing your ancestors. It's like, what do you know about Mm -hmm. that? 
what what do you know you have a duke ellington record and you know more about me if it's like me being in middle school and younger kids telling me like oh i'm blacker than you because i listen to rap right it's like you're not you don't get to act like this is yours or like you know more about it than i do simply because you enjoy it more than i do like you don't get to somehow like co-op my shit calm down and i feel like obviously keith making newer jazz i feel like it's similar to like a conversation i see a lot on social media with a lot of musicians that come out and they make r&b music and there are a lot of people that work for like pitchfork and like just music reviewers online that will say things like r&b is dead you know diddy tweeted that out one day like r&b is dead no one makes r&b anymore like y'all threw r kelly in jail and there was no new r&b which is wrong because r&b is alive and well if you look on spotify but people do not like new r&b they don't listen to new r&b they don't give new r&b a chance they like the older stuff but some of the older stuff is tied to people who are problematic sebastian reminds me of that he likes the older traditional things he likes things that are old school because that's where he feels at home that's what he grew up with that's what he knows that's what he's comfortable with which is fine it's okay but when you act like you know more than someone who literally comes from the same culture as jazz itself and you want to be all high and mighty and be upset that he like offers you a job that pays you money i understand like the touring and stuff may not sit well with him because like a lot of people want to be musicians but like when it comes to like touring music interviews like all that stuff that comes with being a musician being a personality being a public figure it can be daunting i see his side of that but when he's like not into like the new jazz like there's a lot of jazz like you said like there's a lot of music there's a lot of different kind of music like keith making this music does not mean that jazz is dead it just means that there's a newer version of it out there and like you not liking it or you feeling step away about it doesn't make you like the defender of music you're not the hero here well it's it's gatekeeping is really what it is (laughs) and it's also yeah i mean in a way we're like you're absolutely right if you're really tracing like lineage back sure it's gatekeeping in like a very absurd kind of way in a weird way it's like personal gatekeeping like he's not letting himself enjoy Uh yeah that's thing that he could enjoy if he just was like yeah yeah, this is also jazz like yeah. I mean, it's it's also the age-old thing of being an artist and what does it mean to sell out? Right, sure. Yeah, And that that is stigmatized, but also that, like, the very real nature of creating art in a capitalist economy. Right. Yeah. Like him doing the um, synth solo or, like, him playing in the 80s cover band at the party, it's not selling out. That's taking a job. Yeah. Right. Like, you need to make money. Like, right. you working with John Legend... I mean, you could see it as selling out if you want to, yeah. but you're still making music. And you may not be making the kind of music you want to make, but like, at least you're making money. I, I mean, you know? even like, that's the thing is like the, so the, the flock of seagulls, like fucking pool party and stuff like that, that was definitely a gig. And so it's, it's him doing something yeah. that's kind of debasing himself, but also it's got an expiration date. You know, once the party's over, we're done with that. The job that he is taking with Keith the is... The Messengers, yeah, is a much longer term project, but also it is something that he does mm. have more input in artistic direction. It's just that it's not going to be wholesale what he's doing. Right. He doesn't get to drive all of it. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, like that kind of bumps up again, like him talking about like, oh, yeah, jazz is about like 
Conflict and compromise. Conflict and compromise, innovation and, you know, discussion and stuff. Yeah, it would have been been really weird and the scene would have been way shorter if he just turned to Emma Stone at that club and was at the Lighthouse Club and is like, jazz is about one white dude never, ever compromising. (laughs) Right. Because he was right all along. I mean, (laughs) but also, when you are the white savior of jazz, I mean, that is kind of how that goes, right? I just like, Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, man. (laughs) Any, I think almost any other actor in this role, and it, it would be unwatchable for me. Yeah. There's not many <laughs> actors that I could stand to hear be like, no, 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 I get jazz. Nobody else gets jazz. There's like three actors, yeah. three white guy actors that I could maybe stand, and that's it. Luckily, yeah. Ryan Gosling is one where I'm like, I will let this slide. <laughs> I want to see where this goes. Mm-hmm. Dude. But yeah, no, it's fucking ridiculous. I cannot, bl- I mean, there was definitely some discussion about that as as a whole thing at you know when the movie was out like hey how come this movie has this white jazz savior which is like it's ludicrous it's also coupled with like the fact that like the movie doesn't have that much diversity and i will say like a lot of films like you do not have to like fill your movie with like every single person from every single ethnicity and background for your movie to be diverse but you're making a film that's set in la in like 2016 and her friends, like, yeah, her friend group is kind of cool, but, like, we don't see them that often, and then that's... No, they're in one scene. Yeah, that's just Yeah, it. it's about... Like... It's it's the optics of it. Like, what yeah. is this... You know, what what is this movie? The movie is... I mean, to be fair to everybody, this movie only has one scene. If you go by, like, popular... The image search results oh, for yep. this, it's just the scene where they're, like, dancing at night on the bench, and they do the, like, sort of singing in the rain stuff. That's the only scene. Mm. That's, like, every photo is that scene. Um, and like, you know, we, we post yeah. on social media, so I have to gather photos for this. And I was just like, it's going to be really challenging not to post this for like two weeks. Because <laughs> yeah. that's like so many results. Well, and it's just such like, a Ugh. purple sunset and such a yellow dress. I agree. It looks <laughs> oh really nice. But there are other scenes the in this. Colors. Yeah. yeah, there are other scenes yep. in this that look perfectly nice. Oh, and yeah. I don't get. Oh, I know. You ever see those like art prompt challenges or sometimes uh, uh, brands will do a like design a poster for Doritos or whatever. I want to see a, like, design a La La Land poster that doesn't fucking feature that fucking scene. Like, anything. Just as, like, try it. Just fucking yeah. anything else from the movie. The movie's two hours and eight minutes long. You can find something. Mine's going to be when he pulls that couch cushion out of the oven <laughs> when they have that fight. Yeah, okay. This is good. Monica, what the fuck does he pull out of the oven that's on fire? Bro. I literally don't know what it is. <laughs> we were watching it. They have that. They have that fight. It's okay. So first off, it does the thing that I hate, where rather than like resolve anything, they fight. There's an interruption, and she leaves, and then they don't talk for a while. Yeah. When he takes the, because oh then the fire alarm is going off. He gets up. He opens the oven, and I was like, weren't they eating dinner this whole time? And I, I was like, I, I was like, they're definitely eating something. Yeah. And then it's one quick thing, and he pulls out what I swear to God looked like a couch cushion on, like a smoldering couch cushion. What was that? You can't, like, listen, I honestly don't remember because the fact that there was, like, a fire after they had a fight and they were eating dinner, I was just like, is this supposed to be, like, reflective of how, like, in scenes and movies, someone will walk in with a bag of groceries and it's, like, one breadstick just, like, <laughs> That's how you know out, it's groceries. Like, in the morning, you see, like, a full table of, like, breakfast. Yeah, who made that? And no one touched <laughs> breakfast. It's, like, right, right, right. Yeah. Pancakes, eggs, bacon, sausage, oatmeal, grits, like, and pineapple, eating anything. sliced tomatoes, yeah. yeah. Everything you could possibly <laughs> tomatoes, want. The tomatoes, <laughs> that's so true. I do want to say that, like, even though um, 
I kind of don't like the movie. I did love the fact that it's all shot on film. Yeah. Yeah. Like those are the little details where I'm like, okay, this is gonna awaken the film nerd in me. But that's so yeah, cool. Yeah, it's all <laughs> shot on film, and a lot of the effects are done in camera. Oh, really? So. Yeah, nice. so especially during that dream ballet sequence when we're doing switches and stuff. Transitions and yeah. Um some of that is just like like very theatrical like quick changes and then some of it is cuts that they sure. were able to like I don't know, like mask pan and, yeah. and mask and stuff, yeah. When they're at the observatory and they have that dancing among the stars kind of thing, them falling down into the the seats, it was shot in reverse, so it's that they were actually picked up on oh, okay. um like rig- rigs rigging and stuff yeah. yeah um and that's how they looked like they were able to like fall back down so you know perfectly yeah can we so... talk about them at the observatory i have a question <laughs> I, have, I, f- I feel a very important question mm-hmm. yeah so they're supposed to uh this was she was going out with greg and greg's dumb brother and whoa, greg's whoa, dumb whoa. brother's whoa, wife whoa, whoa. or she Whatever. agreed to meet yeah seb yes. for a like 10 o'clock showing of rebel without a cause yes because she got a call back on a show that's kind of like Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you've never seen it. It's showing, you know, at a theater. Mm-hmm. I'll get tickets. Maybe, you know, maybe whatever night, th- Thursday night. And she's like, sure, yeah, great. And then Greg shows up and is like, we're having dinner with my brother. You forgot? And she's like, oh, shit. So she goes to dinner. He, you know, is standing outside. Curtain rises. He's like, ah, fuck it. I'm going in to watch the movie. And she bails on dinner and shows up, you know. During the movie, yeah, okay. To be fair, Greg and Greg's dumb brother and Greg's dumb brother's girlfriend or whatever, yeah. they all suck. Yeah, they're not characters. <laughs> so. They're having a good time. They're watching Rebel Without a Cause, which is a great movie. And they're slowly inching their hands towards one another and they're hand-holding. And then they go to kiss and the film fucking melts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The print melts and then the lights come up and they're like, oh, I know what we can do. So I'm like, all right. So the movie started at 10. She was late, so maybe like 10, 15... <laughs> Maybe they were there for, you know, I was like, how long does it take your, take you to work up your courage to, like, hold her hand? Maybe another 10, 15 minutes. So it's like 10.30. And he's like, I know what we can do. And they go to the Griffith Observatory, which is prominently featured in, in Rebel Without a Cause. It's got to be at least 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, is the Griffith Observatory open all night? Or did they, like, Break in. kill a guy to get <laughs> in? They shot a night watchman? Like... Because they're just, they have the run of the place. There's nobody else in there. Everything is on. All the lights are on. All the exhibits yep. are lit up. And they're just like, this is great. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Uh-huh. And and Allison, well, I was like, wait, isn't it like 11 o'clock at night? And Allison, <laughs> with no, like, no pause, just goes, yeah, they shot a Night Watchman. And I was like, fuck if, I was like, if they, it, like, if that was the end of the movie, if it was like, oh, we had this, like, like cute, you know, cutesy wootsy. Oh, old hollywood musical like romance but the entire time we were committing like atrocious like a bo- crimes bonnie and clyde-esque right. like crime spree yeah right. i was like that would be an interesting um, reveal at the end of the film <laughs> what's that ryan reynolds movie that uh we watched because i like him um, you gotta be more specific where, That's where most of he's them. got like where he's like a psychopath but like he's got oh the voices yeah yeah yeah, what if it's kind of like that, where, like, they have their own reality, but then... We... Right. And their reality is a very clean version of L.A., where they can do, like, elaborate dance numbers yeah. and things. But in reality, they've just been, like, yeah. I guess, hallucinating. People I was like, and, right, you know, what if it's, like, the folly adieu, the madness yeah. of two people? Running like, out on dinner and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... That's probably a more interesting movie. It's something. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily better, <laughs> but it is something. Uh-huh. I haven't seen that before. Yeah. I mean, especially where you're like, yeah, holding that 
the whole time and only slightly teasing it. Right. Yeah. I don't know. All, I mean, also, like, little things in the dialogue and in the delivery really sold me, I guess. Sure. Because, mm-hmm. man, I laughed my ass off every time he leaned on the horn of his fucking car and everybody else is like, really? And she's like, he just does that. And I'm like, it's really funny because it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else, again, would probably not be able to pull it off, but he's so fucking likable, like, a lot of the time that I'm just like, yeah, it's just this dumb shit thing that he fucking does. So the, I guess the back half of the film, after he takes this job in The Messengers, they have a big fight. He, like, really goes out of his way to hurt her in the fight because she kind of points out, oh, like, yeah, wait. Y- you're in a situation you don't want to be in because of you. Like, I didn't make you do this. I don't, I didn't care. I wanted you to pursue your dreams i thought this was something you wanted to do but if you're not happy like you did this like you've put yourself here yeah i forget exactly what he says but it is definitely a low blow and yeah. it seems very out of character and then rather than like address it or apologize or anything like that that's when the smoke alarm goes off right. i'm like that and she's cheap. like i need to go for a walk or whatever and leaves and then we like again it's sitcom they just cut away and it's like we i guess haven't talked about it mm-hmm so they basically break up. She moves back in with her parents because she's done with. Yeah, well, I mean, right after the argument is when he misses her show. Also, oh, that's right. He's got to do that's... the dumb photo shoot. Yeah, and that photo shoot is so humiliating. Mm-hmm. Like they cut to him and he's got like the sunglasses and the big like baseball cap on, and it just like he looks miserable. <laughs> and the photographer is like, "Yeah, pull the sunglasses down your nose a little. Yeah, bite your lip." <laughs> it's like so terrible. I don't know. I just, I don't get that. I, I mean, of course, it's a movie, and I don't have to understand all that, but it's just like, just bail. Be like, I've done this for an hour. You got photos of me. I gotta go. Mm-hmm. But he shows up late, misses her show. She's like, we're done. No one showed up to my show, including you. It was humiliating. You've, like, completely broken my heart. Like, I'm going home. I'm moving back in with my parents. And then that's, uh, as you mentioned before, Allison, that somebody calls the apartment looking for her uh you know who's from a casting casting agency and they want to bring her in so he drives up you know tells her like hey i'll be here at eight in the morning or whatever you'll either be out here or you won't next morning she is drives her to the casting and uh she goes in and the casting director had seen her in the the one woman play that she puts on and was so impressed with her that she wanted her to come in and read for this part but they didn't have scenes or sides so they just are like tell us a story and her story becomes this song. The song is, is good. It's, you know, I guess kind of the, I guess it's the theme of the movie. Like people, you know, it's the emotional theme of the movie, which is here's to the ones who dream. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's very nice. It's like, oh, isn't it chasing your dreams and the people who dare to put everything on the line to, you know, go after whatever, whatever their passion is. It's very and, Willy Wonka. Here's to the music makers. Sure. Dreamers. The dreamers of dreams. <laughs> sure. From that, like, she's like, oh, I'll get a call back later or whatever. They go to the uh, Griffith Observatory kind of again. They're, like, sitting on a bench, uh, you know, down beneath it. And they have this, like, oh, we kind of already broke up, but now we're finalizing it, like, closure scene where he's like, yeah, you're going to get it. And when you get it, you know, you're going to go to Paris and uh, you're not going to see me and the whole thing. And then it just jumps five years in the future and the movie when we saw her, you know, the beginning of the film, when we saw her day, uh, we follow this, like, starlet that we'd never see. We see her from behind, and she goes into the little coffee shop, and she orders a coffee, and, you know, the other barista is like, it's on us. And she goes, no, I insist, and pays, you know, 
And then everybody in the in the place is like, did you see who that was? And they're all whispering and whatever. And she gets in the little golf cart on the studio lot and drives away. And so now five years later, that's Emma and she's, you know, Mia. And she's like, goes in, it's the same coffee shop she used to work at. And she buys a coffee and they're like, it's on us. And she's like, no, I insist. And it's like, oh, cool. She gets to live the dream. I guess that's great. <laughs> and we see Seb, and he's got his own jazz club. It's called Seb's Place, and it's the logo that she designed, even though he wanted to call it Chicken on a Stick. Is that right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, it's, like, intentionally bad. Like, it's not mm-hmm. even, like, no, 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 like, it should be a better name. It's, like, that's, like, the worst name you could call it, I, I think. That's a terrible name. I guess you can only do one art at a time. It's a terrible huh? idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marketing is not Seb's <laughs> strong suit. <laughs> jazz is. <laughs> But so, uh, so it's got the logo that she designed. And anyway, so for a second, we think, oh, they've, they've both achieved their dreams and they're happy together. And we see her come in and her, you know, she's like, oh, hello, dear. I'm home from getting a coffee or working as a movie star and whatever. And it's her husband from behind. And then we see it's not him. It's actually Tom Everett Scott, who I was like, this motherfucker looks familiar. And we're watching it. And I'm like, I gotta look him up. And Allison goes, oh, it's Tom Everett Scott, whoever, you know, that guy is. And I was like, oh. He's the drummer from That Thing You Do, <laughs> which is funny because in that movie, he's a jazz drummer oh, and, and, okay. and playing in a pop group is beneath him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. Kind of meta. Yeah, we had watched that relatively recently. Yeah, it's a good movie. I recognize him from um, this show called I'm Sorry with, damn, I forget the actress's name, but it's actually a really funny I show on Netflix one day. So when I saw him, I was like, oh, yeah, he's a uh, he's been around. I, uh, when I looked at his IMDb, I was like, oh, yeah, he's still in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, I know him from like the late 90s, early 2000s, because I know him from like that thing you do. And he's in uh, an American werewolf in Paris. And he's in a movie. <gasps> I love that movie. And he's in a movie called uh, Dead Man on Campus. Yes. Which is like a black comedy about like uh, if your roommate kills themselves, you get a 4.0 GPA. Like you just pass the the semester so they're trying to they're trying to get a roommate who they can then drive to kill themselves and like it's a very early 2000s like (laughs) idea of what could be funny in a dark way Mm -hmm. whereas now we'd be like that's horrible Uh why would you ever do that (laughs) um yeah it's it's bad but anyway but yeah, yeah, like he had yeah. a, a big moment uh, back then, and yeah, I was I was like, oh yeah, he's still he's still kicking around. But yeah, I was happy to see him in this. Um, then the same thing happens, another traffic jam, like the film you know opens with, and they can't make it to whatever thing they're supposed to go to their friends' play or whatever. So then uh, they go for dinner and they're wandering down the street and they pass by a jazz club and they go in and she sees that it's Seb's, it's the logo that I designed and. He gets up on stage and I forget, he says something about how he's the white savior of jazz. And then (laughs) he sits down and he sits down and he plays piano. He plays their theme, which runs throughout the movie. And then we get this dream ballet, which is really cool. And I loved it. Um, It looked good. Yeah. yeah, It's very old Hollywood. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's not pretending to be real life. It's, it's all very artificial. There's, like uh, shadow, you know, shadow puppetry type stuff, like backlit things. There's mm-hmm. obvious sets, and mm-hmm. uh, they they actually do like a duck a muck thing, the Daffy Duck duck a muck, where um, that's the one where at the end it turns out spoilers for duck a muck. Um, <laughs> turns out that Bugs Bunny is the animator and he's fucking with Daffy. Oh yeah, but they okay. walk out of a thing and it's it says like uh you know alley stage door, stage, yeah. stage door exit or whatever, yeah. and they walk out and it's just like blank. 
and they walk over and it's just like it's like white on white on white and then like there's a little bit of color on the floor and then there's some bushes and then they keep walking and it's like this big elaborate musical number and a painted mm-hmm. set and i was like that's kind of fun like yeah and but yeah it's just it's her or him or both of them it's fantasizing about if things had it's ro- them romanticizing the past which is interesting yeah, yeah it's all and the then, stuff you just saw right. if there were no uh you know difficulties right. or, or problems or consequences which, or anything which again <laughs> i mean as monica as you pointed out as there, there barely are yeah like, right there's no real roadblocks it's just things don't always go their way just because they want them to or try but there's yeah. nobody there's nobody trying to stop them there's nobody sabotaging yes. them there's nobody planting the seed of doubt for either one about the other like right yeah there's no obstacles like that it's just like oh it's hard to just get to do what you want because you want it real bad also i want to say that like upon rewatching the movie i had this realization that like yeah, she could go to Paris and, like, she can be an actress and, like, travel or whatever. But, like, I mean, we are in the year of 2016. Like, we can't call each other. We can't right. FaceTime. Like, I feel like the setbacks that they have in their, like, pursuit of their passions, like, the challenges that they have have solutions. But Mia is so idealistic as a character. And Sebastian is so narcissistic yeah. and arrogant. When you are a creative, you have to understand what it means to collaborate. Like, you need to understand what it means to work together. Sebastian can't work with anybody. Like, he couldn't even work with J.K. Simmons yeah. when he was playing the piano at the restaurant. Like, you can play all Holy Night and put a little bit of jazz in the middle. Right. You don't have to go all Mariah Carey. You know, <laughs> just put, like, a little bit of something. Like, you know? Oh, uh, 100%. Yes. Compromise. That's, that's a 100%. I also want to say that, like, it's funny to me that like they're both artists and creatives, but they, they both seem to lack. Mia has been working so hard to become an actress and going on auditions and like chasing her dreams. And Sebastian has been working hard to get like a jazz club, like his own jazz club. They all have some idea of perseverance. But when it comes to like persevering in your own personal relationship with someone who loves you, somehow we cannot like find a way to like be cohesive to mesh. And it's so strange to me because like Sebastian, he continues to struggle with like his love for jazz and his need for commercial success. And he wants that like small little jazz club. And Mia wants to be a huge star. And I think there was a time when like Seb was like kind of condescending to like her dream in a way, but he also wants external validation, but he wants it from her. Like he wants it to like, he wants to end that relationship, but you don't want to work towards that you just want to like receive it without any tension which is unrealistic yeah Yeah. i think that's that's part of like the you know fight that they're having where he's like oh you're an actress and you need people to like you and you know all this stuff and she's like isn't that kind of what you're doing in this band that you're in it's the other yeah oh it's the other way around well she's like you know why do you care about being liked? Like you, she basically, she's like, I liked you because you didn't give a shit. Like there's nothing less cool than how much you liked jazz, Sebastian. (laughs) And yet I liked that about you because you were you, you were being true to who you are. Mm -hmm. So if you don't like doing this thing, you don't have to. And he's like, what the fuck do you know about like people like you? You're an actress. Like, right. Right. And I was just like, that's just rude. Like, yeah. (laughs) And again, yeah. like to Allison's point, like, yeah, the fact that there's no, he doesn't really apologize ever. No. They don't ever really talk about it. Yeah. They just, you know. <sighs> yeah. I get, I get why she would be like, hey, you didn't apologize and you missed my show. So like, we're done. Yeah. 
the fact yeah, that the that's, movie five that's strike years two of you don't care about my feelings there will be no strike three this isn't actually baseball right yeah yeah but yeah the fact that they five years later what i think would be the most interesting part i mean i guess the five years later tells us that she gets that job and then he never even tries to make a relationship work he's like cool see ya i guess yeah it's a weird epil so i i also had referenced that um parts of this reminded me of once which we also had seen recently yeah and once monica have you seen once yeah i know the musical okay they kind of have like a very much sort of like oh will they or won't they and stuff mm-hmm. but it ends with what she's on the train going back to her husband or whatever yeah so like that actually has a resolution and then you know what will happen next is kind of left up in the air but like this sort of picks the the opposite where we're like oh we're gonna have tension now we're gonna show that like yeah we just never really worked that out yeah and i mean i guess the so the final shot is mia and her husband uh tom everett scott they you know they're at the the club he plays their theme on the piano she and or seb have this like fantasy of like oh it's romanticizing the past and then imagining what their lives would be like if they had stayed together and still achieved both of their dreams like she's still a star he still has this club whatever uh the song ends people clap and tom everett scott's like do you want to stay for another you know another one or do you want to go and she's like yeah we should go and they leave and when she's the doorway she looks back and she and seb lock eyes and they just share this little this look and he sort of half smiles and she smiles a little you know a little and it's like yeah and i think that's supposed to be them uh being like you know it was worth it right and being like yes and the other person is being like yeah i think it was but at the same time it's like what was like what it was like it was all built up to something and then we skipped over the thing like a lot of people like the ending because it's like bittersweet because like sure musicals Mm -hmm. are usually have happy endings like there are some musicals that don't have happy endings like if you know um what is it uh next to normal or like a number of other musicals where the ending is not that happy and like sad and like yeah i don't know that one no. Next to Normal is a musical about a mom. She lost her son. Um, she's soon diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Oh. And the whole musical is kind of like an interesting look on like mental illness. It's not, I would say like, it's not an easy musical to watch. Sure. I watched it when I was like really young, but it's very good. It's just very sad. Sure, sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I just showed Hunter Carousel recently, mm-hmm. which is... Um, way weirder than yeah, I was expecting. Way weirder <laughs> and way more fucked up than I remembered it being. <laughs> it really is. That one dude falls on a knife. Yeah, well, no, that part I remembered. I didn't realize that there was as much, like, uh, domestic abuse. Oh, yeah, they're just like, they're just like, he's, he sings, like, <laughs> he, at one point he sings in, in Carousel, he's like, basically says, like, boy, if I only had a son, I could hit him and my wife. Yeah. Like, that's like, and I was like, what? What is happening? Yeah. I was like, holy yeah. shit. But yeah, Carousel pretty fucked up doesn't really end like no it's also crazy as hell like god <laughs> like the angels are a part like i was like what what is this this is not at all that i was expecting yeah i watched that as a kid yeah like the, the musicals that i grew up like i grew up on uh like oklahoma and guys and dolls uh-huh. and west side story like i would i think the classics like yeah but none of them is as weird as, as carousel carousel's way weirder. yeah I, I watched uh carousel and labyrinth and, sure, sure, uh, sure. Modern musical. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, I know. I come from a very musical family, Monica. So, like, my father and my uncle are both musicians. Um, my father and then my uncle on my mother's side are both musicians. They were in a band together, and um, my 
uh, uncle's mother, grand, my grandmother, plays piano and all this. So, like, there was... And she, but she loved musicals, man. Like, you know, PBS would show, mm-hmm. like, Saturday night, and they would just show either, like, a musical or an opera or whatever. And most of the time, she would just put that on and leave that on. So I saw so many different versions of, like... The Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite movies. Uh, any version of Phantom of the Opera is one of my favorites because, like, I, I just I got hooked by the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical and mm-hmm. was like, wait, they made a movie about this in the twenties. And I watched it and I'm like, there's no singing, <laughs> not nearly enough singing. What happened to the songs? And she's like, well, those are they did that later. Yeah, I was like, all right, all right. still pretty cool. The original Incel. Oh, uh, Phantom of the Opera, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Little Shop. That was one I watched a million times. Oh, as a kid. Little Shop. Yeah. So good. That's a good one. I wanted to really get on this movie's level. I don't think it's saying a cohesive thing enough for me. Like, did you, have you ever seen Down with Love? I have not. Not like I've heard of that. I've heard that it's very good. It's very good. It is It is this kind of movie. It's a throwback to like the big old studio musicals. It's Ewan McGregor and I think Renee Zellweger. It is. And... He's like a, you know, it's like a faux 60s. I don't remember if it's specifically set in the 60s or if it's set in, like, no time, but it's kind of the 60s. But, like, Mm -hmm. he's like a jet-setting playboy. Mm -hmm. I believe she is a stewardess. So she, like, comes and goes. But when they're in town, they, you know, like, sleep together, and she wants more, and he doesn't believe in love. And that's the whole angle of the movie. And the the whole movie is trying to convince him that... Not only does like love exist and is worthwhile, but that he actually loves her and doesn't realize it. And it's like that has more stakes and is a much smaller scale than this. I know this is trying to say grander things, theoretically, like, mm-hmm. but mm. I don't know. Down with Love just like really like nails it for me. Like every I've, I've watched it a few times over the years and it's never like not worked Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it feels like those like uh fred astaire ginger rogers like musicals it's maybe not quite as elaborate but it's not far off Mm -hmm. um it's yeah it's 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 really great i think it does a better job with what i think this is trying to do but i guess the problem is i don't really know exactly what this is trying to do yeah yeah i think that this movie with the ending i feel like the fight when that scene first comes on and you see them like sitting there eating dinner low lighting i'm like Okay, we're almost at the end of the movie, so this must be when it's going to happen. All right, well, ship it, everybody. Let's go. Let's see what he got. And then when he did say, like, you're an actress, I was like, jeez. Like, I knew you were an asshole, but you're going to be this much of it. Like, come on now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I feel about the ending, if I'm being honest. I know that a lot of people like the ending because it kind of subverts what people thought the movie was going to be. And it shows the realities of like pursuing a relationship and also pursuing your dreams and trying to balance love and a career, the difficulties behind that. And I understand that and I get it. And I don't want to use the excuse of, oh, it's a movie. You can't go into every little thing. This movie is two hours long. Yeah. You had time for Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone to fly into the air (laughs) and dance with the stars. You had time to do a whole dance sequence where if one false step, you fall off a cliff. (laughs) We would have time to spend a little more time talking about your relationship. Like, I learned more about her dead aunt than I learned about them in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that scene when she's like, when she starts talking and then it becomes the song, which I thought was done incredibly well. Yes. Like... So that was something else I, I looked at. That was, like, done with live piano. Oh. To give her the option of when she was going to go from talking to singing. Oh, that's So, like, it was written out with, like, flexibility for her to, like, 
right, really right. act it. Yeah. Uh, to, to your point, Allison, mm-hmm. earlier about like the cell phone interrupting the yeah. thing. I thought that the casting director was going to be like, uh, stop. Mm-hmm. Like, we've seen enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what like they did to her earlier in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as I was waiting for that to happen, I was like, oh, and it's it's going to subvert that and she'll still get the part. But they obviously, they don't do that. But I, I it would kind of be funny if that... <laughs> Yeah, well, we go back to some of the mirroring that they did before. Well, that's what they also, do a lot of mirroring after that point. But yeah. also, I feel like this, they felt like it was like one of the more emotional crescendos of it. So it would be undermining to interrupt it. But I don't know. Yeah. <sighs> like the the audition is basically like just her in front of a background that we then kind of fade out. And it's almost like she's just like in the spotlight, in, in a spotlight. Yeah. But it is just her. And while it is very, like, emotional, it's also very small. I think it's very good. And that song is good. Like, I just, I also, again, don't know if it works if we are treating this as, like, a a film that's trying to make an ode to old Hollywood. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Because, again, I'm not sure what this, what the end goal is. I mean, if it's just to make a movie that people enjoy, obviously it worked. Yeah, yeah. But I did read that a lot of people, you know, had problem so i think i think audiences like the ending because it feels adult to acknowledge that like relationships don't always work out right (laughs) you don't always get everything you want that it feels adult to be Mm -hmm. like i'll you know take some some of the things i want some of my ideals but i i won't i won't achieve all of them that feels like a very adult choice to make Mm -hmm. but i also like reading reviews and stuff people were very flabbergasted by the fact that it didn't end with a big happy Hollywood ending and I realized that when they do the dream ballet and it shows you everything that you you know want Mm -hmm. only for that to be like and actually that's not what happened it's kind of what happened at the Oscars oh yeah (laughs) there were a couple of minutes where everybody was like oh La La Land won and they were like oh we read the wrong envelope we're very sorry he's like nope Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah how do you like it Damien (laughs) right Am I wrong? No, 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 no. Like that, yeah. Well, you know, life imitating art. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we live in a simulation. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Or just, I mean, shit happens. Yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else uh, specifically about the film you want to talk about? Uh, Allison, I know you had a bunch of, like, uh, lines of dialogue and stuff you liked and moments. like. Oh, anything? my God, I did. Oh, real quick. I just want to mention, because um, I figured this out <laughs> during my research, uh, Ryan Gosling learned piano just to be in this movie oh he totally did that's right yeah like he learned piano. told me that and i was yes. like that's really yeah. impressive yeah he did like yes. two hours of piano lessons for six months to be able to play like any of the piano pieces he had yes. to play here so there were no hand doubles yeah uh monica have you ever uh listened to any of his music i yeah, have i have listened he's a guitarist to not a yeah. pianist yeah. and john legend's actually primarily a pianist not a guitarist yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so they swapped that's true yep I found it so funny when I saw that because John Legend mentioned that interview and I was like, he's like, I'm impressed. I was like, yeah, listen, John Legend has yeah, Grammys. Yeah. Yeah, like, the dude has chops. Multiple. So yeah. if he says you did a good right. job, you did a good job. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually you, uh, got to see, I saw Dead Man's Bones play here in, in Philly years and years ago, somewhere kind of small. And it was like the middle of summer. It was very hot. And I was like, I was like, this is a good time. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to pass out because it's very hot mm-hmm. in here. But I was like, I'm having a great time. But I will say, so he's handsome. He's in very good shape. He's a good actor. He's charismatic. He's a really talented musician. And all those things make me intensely uh, jealous. <laughs> but motherfucker cannot whistle, and I can, so I yeah. at least have that over him. 
<laughs> yeah, that was something else that I had seen in, in the yeah. trivia that I mentioned to Hunter was that uh, for the I think it's the first time that they do City of Stars where he's on the pier. Yes. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like that whistling. That whistling's dubbed. He didn't whistle that. <laughs> so now I get to make a shirt that says I'm better than Ryan Gosling and then really mm-hmm. small at whistling. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm very impressed with because his piano playing's great. Like I was watching like when he cranks it up to 11 playing jazz at J.K. Simmons Club. <laughs> I was really like the both hands like, going across the keys. Yeah. yeah. And he's like playing the scale up the piano and like just jabbing at the keys. I was like, it's fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, it's really good. It's way too much jazz for this yeah. setting, but it's really good. And then when Allison's like, yeah, he really, <laughs> it is much too jazz. much jazz. There is such a thing. Yes. <laughs> but like, yeah, when Allison's like, he really learned how to play piano for this. And I was like, damn, all right. It's <laughs> like, good for him. Mm-hmm. That's dedication. I, I admire yeah. that. I do want to say I'm glad that this is Emma Stone's Oscar winning role. Yeah. Out of all the things she's done, I'm glad it's this one because a lot of times the Oscars like Mm -hmm. to do this thing where it's like someone's in a role, they're in a movie, they did amazing, they did phenomenal, smashed it, killed it, knocked it out of the park. Right. Nothing. Nothing. Like this, this is what happened with Kiki Palmer. Nope. Like, mark my words, she has more movies to come Definitely. where she is going to be up for, like, Critics' Choice, Golden Globe, SAC, Oscar, whatever it is. And everyone's going to be like, she should have got one for Nope. She should have got one for Nope. The same way with Angela Bassett and oh, literally dude. every yeah. other role she has been in <laughs> yeah. since she started. Tony Collette, Hereditary. Tony Collette! Like, still, oh! yeah, yeah. still, like, how did you not nominate her for Hereditary? Yeah. I mean, like, not that she's not given other great performances, but that's an amazing fucking no, performance. No, but I mean, also, it's... Of course. Monica, what's your... what's If you had to pick... Uh, what's like a favorite musical of yours? That is such a hard question for me because I love so many musicals. Um, if I were to keep in theme of your podcast, I would say my favorite musical to like hate watch, great watch would be Hamilton. <laughs> okay. Because oh, I loved it when I was like in high school, like just exiting high school. I feel like that really solidified my love for musicals. As I left high school and entered into college, which you know is like, the wokeifying experience everyone must go through. Sure. I realized I'm like, hey, maybe liking a hip hop musical where people of color play slave owners who, yes, on one hand, they would be rolling over in their grades if they found that a black person was playing <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. But also on the other hand, like, why are people of color playing the people who enslaved your ancestors? Like, yeah. what is that about? And also the main person, the creator star lyricist composer director whatever lin-manuel miranda can't even sing and on top of that acting i don't know because when you put him next to literally every other person in his cast he really can't hold the candle like christopher jackson is not in the musical that much and he is better like Mm -hmm. jonathan groff himself literally could like knock you off your songs he has three songs in the musical and he is phenomenal like and then, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda is, like, Disney yes. contract, yeah. Disney contract, Disney contract. I loved it. I loved it so much. And then when I actually, like, took the time to, like, research it, I was like, ooh, yeah. baby. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't listen to this two-hour soundtrack every single day. <laughs> like, It did blow me away, though. Yes. I saw it very late. Lin-Manuel Miranda is like maybe a bit weaker but like the rest of the cast yes is like very strong it's a good musical you know even like the stagecraft that they do is very impressive my dude David Diggs yeah but where it was very like minimalistic but also very like kinetic there was a lot of motion where I'm like oh I see why this did very well yeah (laughs) 
Uh, Allison, what if you had a favorite musical? What? Oh God, Again, I don't even it's, know. It's, it's, yeah, it's, the other ones don't disappear. Just if you had to. Pick. Yeah, I know. It just it's it's hard to decide. Um, oh no, wait, okay. I do know. There you go. Um, because like one of my favorite movies in general is The Court Jester, which is uh, Danny Kay. Danny Kay, Glynis Johns. Glynis Johns. Angela Lansbury, Basil yep. Rathbone. Yeah, it's it's sort of a um a Robin Hood esque. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, the, it's great. It has uh, really like tricksy lyrics, very like intricate yeah. wordplay lyrics. It's mm-hmm. very, very fun. Uh, do you want to do the. No, I don't. You don't want to do the vessel with the. Oh my God. The vessel with the vessel and the poison. No, and the, not, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's not funny unless you've seen the movie. <laughs> it's, it's impressive that you can say all those words that fast. All right. The pellet with the poison and the vessel with the pestle. The flagon with the dragon holds the brew that is true. Oh, no, wait, it's sorry. It's the pellet with the poison with the vessel with the pestle. The chalice from the palace holds the brew that is true. But then they break the chalice from the palace. Then the pellet with the poisons and the flagon with the dragon. The vessel with the pestle. <clears throat> the vessel with the pestle holds the brew that is true. It's very impressive. Yeah, fine. There they were in the dark. The duke with his dagger. The doge with his dart. The duchess with her dirk. The duchess with her dirk. Yes, and the duke ducked and the doge dodged and the duchess didn't. So the duke got the duchess, the duchess got the doge and the doge got the duke. Anyhow. Uh, mine would, it, I would want to say West Side Story because I watched the I watched the original a ton as a kid, Ugh. and watching the Spielberg remake. Uh, a you few do years reference ago. the sharks and the jets a lot. Well, <laughs> it's iconic. Also, the snapping, like it's just, it's infectious. Yeah, uh, the jumping yeah. and snapping is very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's probably the the little shop from the eighties. Mm-hmm. I I just like I love that. I, I know all those songs that it that covers the whole gamut of like emotions for me. I like I laugh, I cry. Like I love that. Like it, it, that's incredible. That's what that's got to be my favorite musical of all mm-hmm. time. But it's very close. Um, and there's a lot that are also very high up. But yeah, I uh, also not to brag. But my my close personal friend Paul F. Tompkins. That's not it's <laughs> not true. We're not close personal friends. Hunter, but I, me, Hunter met him this week. I met I met Paul F. Tompkins. Oh, this week. cool! Um, he came into my. I job. thought you were for real. I was like, you know him. But I asked him uh, what his favorite musical is because I knew we would be recording about La La Land and musicals, and um, and he said The Music Man, which I think is a fucking perfect uh, <laughs> yeah. choice. The Music Man is yes. a great, it's a strong choice. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I thought I would put that in here in case anybody was wondering. I was like, I bet. Paul F. Tompkins has a favorite musical. I yeah. bet if I ask him, he won't have to dig around in his head for too long. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anybody that was curious, you can, I guess, put that on Paul F. Tompkins' Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. His favorite musical is The Music Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was I was just looking at my notes. Um, the so, so Sebastian wants to open this jazz club, and he was trying to buy uh, one place that was like, you know, either closed down or going out of business or whatever and he got screwed it was a bad business deal and whatever and now it has become a place that uh it's a samba tapas place mm-hmm. and every time he explains that somebody goes what and he goes samba and tapas they dance samba and they eat tapas and they're like well, how does that work he's like i don't know it doesn't but my favorite line is him going he just goes samba tapas pick one do one right <laughs> made me laugh i don't know i feel like that's a little cynical because a lot of the places that i really enjoy are like weird mashups like that mm-hmm. like i really like the bar laundromat concept well his problem is that it's not jazz sure i get it right <laughs> um i really like the, i really cynical. like the bar laundromat concept and then i was also um talking about how i had seen a store that opened that was a place for candle making and seltzer and i was like oh yeah that seems very specific and i'm like no it's not my roommate literally like really loves candles and seltzer so yeah. like it's I a very know. popular combination right yeah that's what all the kids do these days, I guess. 
another line I liked. Um, Sebastian's sister pops in oh. to try to light a fire under his ass. And mm-hmm. um, he's like, you think that life's got me on the ropes, but I let life get me on the ropes. I'm letting life hit me till it gets tired. Then I'm going to hit back. Classic rope-a-dope. I loved that line so much. That was so good. That made me laugh. Yes. Um, the thing that really made me, I, I laughed and yelled, fuck you at the, at the screen was uh, at the Hollywood party where um, Seb is playing in the cover band. <laughs> Mia has to listen to this dude. Oh, yeah. This dude talking about his, like, he's a writer, he's a screenwriter, and he's got some interest on one of his scripts, and he's like, it's three bears from the perspective of the bears. And I was like, fuck you. And he goes, there's so many unanswered questions. Maybe there was a fourth bear. We don't know. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Jesus Christ, that's awful. <laughs> right after that is when they're looking for her car, and he's like, oh, hold the key fob under your chin, because your head will act like an antenna. And she's like, does that really work? And he's like, yeah, well, it might give you cancer. You might die sooner, but you get where you're going faster, so it's a pretty even trade-off. <laughs> so it evens out. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Holy shit. God. And yeah, just uh, every so often in here, there's just a bit of dialogue that's just very good. Yeah, the, the dialogue is... I, yeah. It's not always like that. And like I said, in, in a larger sense, we're not really, you know, having a, a clear message here. So I also have some favorite lines that I liked. This is the one I really love. Um, he said, okay, I was an asshole. I can admit that. But requesting I ran from a serious musician, it's just, it's too far. She says, my lord, did you just say serious musician? And I was like, damn, girl, read him. <laughs> get him. Get him, girl, get him. <laughs> Boy. Yeah, she, uh, there's a, man, it's, it's not so much a line read I like from her, but it's just the whole, it's a very small little moment, but when they're kind of doing their, like, meet cutie walk through the uh, when he meets her at work um, and she gets off in 10 minutes and then they like take their walk through the back lot mm-hmm. they walk by an open sound stage and th- whatever they're talking about they just stop and they both just stare in while they're making a movie in this sound stage and you know they're framed in the doorway and there's like the gel wheel that has like the different color gels in it for lighting and there's like different gear on both sides of them and mm-hmm. there's just like you know a little ways away in the soundstage they're doing something the director calls like action or cut or whatever and she just like looks at it for a minute and goes i love it and i was like that's so good it's such a good little moment like i, I loved that as like an encapsulation of her character such a, a just a great little tiny moment but it was really good I, like i i was like oh mm-hmm. that tells me everything i need to know about her like we don't even need to hear any more about that you know mm-hmm. why does she love movies she just loves movies she's just like look at it i love it i think she's less well-defined a character than seb is i think mia is but i think uh, emma stone does a great job i actually think the opposite really? i think mia is more defined as a character because at least we know what her motivation is yeah they give her a like, lot more backstory yeah yes they do and seb is kind of like the griping angry like can't let things go like he can't move on from things like he has a piano in his house he doesn't need like, you sell that. He's like stalking this tapas place. He's talking about how he goes out five miles out of his way to drink coffee in front of this tapas place. Because he hates it so much. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair, though. Yeah, I mean, we we, over over the course of the movie, we do find out much more about her than him. I mean, we don't even know why he likes jazz so much. Like, is it your grandmother? What was it? 
Right. Please let me know because I need to know. I don't understand why this is like your only personality trait. Like right. you're angry and you like jazz. You like jazz more than anybody else in the world. And yeah. at least like with Mia, like she is chasing this dream and like I don't know how she's getting these auditions if I'm being honest because like girl you are a barista and like you're dating somebody and like I never see her on like backstage.com or like <laughs> looking up any kind of auditions like she's just showing up to these places I'm like is someone referring you are you in a Facebook group like right. I need to see some background if we're doing some research or something like that like how does she get advice to parties if she is a nobody yeah I guess like, we don't we don't really know her roommates they seem yeah, to be like more true. hip or more like yeah. plugged into what's going on so maybe yes. that was how she was initially getting stuff, but especially once she and Seb move in together. Well, once she and Seb are yeah. moving in together, she's writing her own one-woman show. That's true. Like, he's like, well, why don't you write the kind of stuff that you'd want to be in? And so she's not really auditioning like she used to. Yeah, she's making yeah. this thing. I do love Mia's character because I feel like Emma Stone, I really can't see anyone else playing Mia. Like, Emma Stone really does embody this character because this is very reflective of the other characters she plays. Mm -hmm. She is someone who is idealistic, who is snarky, who is interesting, who is funny, who has, like, her big, beautiful eyes and the beautiful red hair that she has. And you are just drawn to her. Like, she is such an amazing, magnetic actress. You know, like, every single performance of hers I've watched, and I've seen, like, just about all of her movies. Mm -hmm. It's like... <laughs> captivating like even in super bad i was like you see this girl right here <laughs> that's my girl mm -hmm. i know it i know it i don't care if this movie is like subpar like whatever it was like i know sub super bad's like kind of like a trash movie but like she is she is it she is that girl and seeing her in la la land is kind of like you are watching a star trying to break out into the mold and i like the idealism on her i do like find it annoying sometimes how she's unrealistic and like girl like please wake up open your eyes to the real world like be <laughs> yeah. so for her right now you're delusional you know <laughs> but that fits because she is hungry to be a hollywood starlet and i like that we see her idealism and it wasn't until the end of the film we kind of realized like she's doing this for her aunt her dead aunt who pursued acting who worked hard so hard for it and then she died from alcoholism like yeah she was chasing this dream to the point where because she wasn't achieving what she wanted to achieve she turns to alcohol to kind of like you know numb her feelings to it and in the end that's the one thing that like takes her away from even pursuing that in the first place so me stepping into this role like she wants to be an actress and she wants to do this for her aunt but she also wants to see if she can achieve it like her own self you know to make her dreams come true and she does and that's what i really like about the film because i think that like mia is like the perfect sort of i don't know how to say it's like every man for like young actors chasing their dreams. Like she really does fit that role so well. And like everybody knows who Emma Stone is. Everyone loves Emma Stone. Yeah. So you already have a beloved actress who's well-liked, already like recognizable in this role of something that is easily relatable to many people who want to do what she's doing already. Cause so many people idolize Emma already. And then you have a movie that's set in old Hollywood, which romanticizes the old time period of Hollywood that yeah. movies are built on. And that is what you have. Like that's like Oscar bait without being Oscar bait. Like that was just <laughs> yeah. like, mm, girl, that's not even bait. Like that's the lemon yawn. Like that's, that's the main course right there. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, like the Oscars, especially love, movies about oh hollywood. about hollywood yeah yeah 
Like, as long as they're not too critical, they love them. Like, they loved Mank, even though I hate that movie. Really? I, I, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't stand that movie. I was watching it, and I was like, this is so... If you had to define Oscar bait, it's literally that. You have a movie about old screenwriters and their actors playing old screenwriters. Like, unless you are an old Hollywood diehard film know-it-all nerd, you wouldn't know who half these people are. I had to Google these people, and I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I guess. Like, I'm interested, but also, like, Homeboy wrote one good movie in his life, and that was all he did. Citizen Kane, after that, done. It's <laughs> fair. Like, it's a pretty good one, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Way to be a one hit wonder, you know? Yeah, man. That, yeah, I guess as, as far as scripts go, that's basically like, uh, that's like the closing time of, of, of mm. script one hit wonders where you're like, that's a pretty good one, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I uh, have we uh, covered everything everybody wants to talk about with this? Probably, you, I think. Yeah. Do you want to let's uh, let's vote? Let's hate watch or great watch on this. Um, well, Monica, since you you chose this film, you can go first. Is this a hate watch or a great watch or somewhere in between? Where does this fall for you? I want to say it's a hate watch. You know, this movie, as beautiful and cinematic and amazing as it is, and I truly think like. This is a movie, like, if someone tells you, like, that La La Land is their favorite movie, I can tell a lot about them just based off of the fact that they said La La Land is their favorite movie. It's sure. like, okay, babe. So you're very idealistic. You like musicals, bright colors, cinematography. And, you know, you enjoy, like, the angry, grumpy, you know, male, not antagonist, but, you know, like, male, uh, char- main character from yeah, time to time. So yeah. it's like. Yes, the male counterpart. So it's like, okay, that's fine. But for me, it's a hate watch simply because, like, I never planned on watching this movie again. Like, the first time was enough for me. I do love City and the Stars. Like, I love that song. But rewatching it, I just had a pause so many times. It's like, I know what's happening. I know what's going to happen next. And now I'm going to be so pissed off because (laughs) y'all cannot do this to me. Like, you can't be, like, you're, be so serious right now. Yeah, it's a hate watch for me. That's fair. Uh, Allison? I'm still very torn. Um, it's it's not for me. Mm. I don't I don't want to. I don't know. I don't I don't think that this is something like bad. Really, like no. it's not it's not bad in any. Me- and and again, it really bothers me that like there's so many things about it that work so well, and then that the overall result isn't a slam dunk for me is is really throwing me. Mm. I get really annoyed with films that have bad visuals mm. because this is a visual medium. Yeah. And this is something that yeah, absolutely like is very pretty to look at and that they did every like not every, but they did most things very practically. The choreography is nice. It's not pitch perfect, but like it's very charming. Again, it it bothers me that there is not a clear message, a clear thesis statement, a clear like Oh yeah. And you're right. You know, and I I can't get over that really because like I don't know whether or not I agree with you because I don't know what you're trying to say kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. And then also for a thing that's a musical, none of this got stuck in my head, which is crazy. Yeah. The songs need to be memorable. Right. Yeah. And this is not catchy maybe because it's too jazz. I don't know. <laughs> too much jazz. Maybe it's too jazz. I don't know. Yeah, um, this is a watch for me, but it's not a very strong one. I, I, I don't hate. I don't think it's. I don't think it's hateable for me. 
I, but I just like I, I'm never gonna watch this again. I got I got no reason to. It, it doesn't say anything that makes me want to go. It doesn't do anything for me or to me that makes me want to go back and re-experience it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not like oh I want to take that ride again. There's no ride. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's like a Gap khakis commercial for two hours. It looks really good. The music's fine. It's a fun time, and then it's over. I think this is also like kind of an escapist movie. Yeah, maybe. It yeah, makes me think of people who are like. Why can't you let people just enjoy things? Like, sure, yeah. The like, kind of people who say that, and that is their like their their motto. Like, that's the one thing they will say until the day they die. Like, why can't you just let people enjoy things? Like, they sure. watch La La Land. They watch La La Land. They watch Hamilton. They watch Bridgerton. That's what they love. <laughs> and here's the thing: that's that's totally valid. Yeah, you, you can you can have that. Yeah, they exist, yes. and you can yeah. and you can watch them. And I'm not going to give you shit for it. But then don't act like i'm an asshole if right. i'm not gonna watch it right. with you. like yeah. uh, us if we all were like strongest possible hate watch yeah. we, we would never watch this right. you can still watch it <laughs> you true. can buy it on blu-ray yeah. you can yeah. buy the 4k you can buy it on every possible mm-hmm. format and watch it every day of your life and that's great if you if you dig it that's cool and i'm happy for you but for me it's just like this looked great you know the songs were fine performances were actually very good very i good. just wish all of it was in service of something that made me like really feel anything yeah. or really connect in any real way yeah. also i think this i would I, I didn't get a chance to rewatch whiplash i wanted to rewatch it um before we recorded but i didn't get a chance to i feel like this has basically the same ending like structure if you were to graph it out as whiplash it does like a fake out bad ending, then a fake out good ending, and then ends somewhere mm-hmm. in the middle. Allison, I know you haven't seen Whiplash, so I have not. No, but that's kind of that's what I remember: fake out good ending, fake out bad ending, mm-hmm. and it ends somewhere ambiguously in the middle. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it feels like a very similar structure. Whiplash was much more satisfying as a film for me. I think it, you know, it had like a cohesive drive to it that this lacked. So there you go. <laughs> Well, Monica, why don't you uh, direct people to, you know, your social media and all your endeavors and things? Okay, yeah. If you guys want to check out more of my stuff, you can just look up I've Been Meaning to Watch That Podcast. It's a podcast for people where if you're someone where you love movies, but you never have time to watch movies and whenever you go see movies they're already like on streaming you're like crap i don't don't see like in theaters or if you're someone that your favorite movie is something that you love like you will die for this movie but like it has like a 38 around tomatoes or if you're someone where like netflix is constantly canceling your favorite show it like it doesn't matter like you fall in love with the show and the next month it's like canceled no season two like i don't know where like it's done it's gone like if you're someone who deals with that daily struggle of trying to live like a human being (laughs) in this capitalist society and, and like enjoying escapist media you should listen to my podcast i have a new topic each week new guests each week new pod each week you can follow us on instagram because we're constantly doing updates twitter twitter i kind of use my podcast twitter as like my own second twitter so it's really just like <laughs> me <laughs> just like being random um i my podcast is now on letterbox oh, right so on. if you would like to figure out reviews about the movies that we're going to talk about before the podcast comes out you can follow us on letterbox we're on tiktok as well so a lot of clips that we do will be on tiktok and just you know listen to the podcast tell your friends and family about your new favorite podcast which is i've been meaning to watch that and uh, feel free to support us on patreon if you like the things we do and you know support me and uh you know my team of people me and the other person helps me run my instagram you know oh, that's awesome. our lovely awesome. team of two 
Yeah. Well, uh, anybody uh, listening, if this is your first experience with Hate Watch, Great Watch, we hope you had a good time. You can uh, visit our link tree, which is l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash h-w-g-w. And that's where to find us on social media. That's where to stream the new episodes on uh, either Movie John or anywhere else that you get podcasts um it'll also be where you can track down whatever movie we're currently talking about where you can donate to the uh, movie john patreon support that other than that we drop new episodes every other wednesday that's every, every other, other wednesday. wednesday on moviejohn.com moviejawn.com but no i think that's it that's uh, that's everything so um thank you so much monica for for reaching yeah. out and for coming on to do this and for having us on your podcast this is very cool it was I, very exciting for yeah, us <laughs> i love doing a pod swap this is very very fun <laughs> um and thank you for suggesting this movie because i don't know when i would have gotten around yeah. to seeing it and yeah like, i'm glad i did we it's... were meaning to watch that yes we had been meaning to watch that <laughs> awesome we'd love to see it awesome yeah thank you again thank you so much yes yes and thanks for having me on the pod because like the one thing I love the most is having people on my podcast because I like to talk to people about movies and TV shows. And I always get really nervous about going on other people's podcasts because on my pod, I try to be like professional and then be myself. But on other people's podcasts, I'm like, I don't know how much of myself I can be because I'm not sure. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm a little like, you guys see like very like, mellow and chill <laughs> and i'm not like that when it comes to movies so like i'm i'm not like that so if the if the audio like spikes i started probably i just want to say i'm oh. sorry <laughs> it's, no, no, it's, it's fine, fine. <laughs> and thank, thank you. you okay right. you guys have a great night bye But like for you to think it was a couch cushion, I was like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of does. Like I have no idea what that is. There's no context. There's no like they they don't bring it up. It just like starts like I think it was supposed to be like a a metaphor, you know, of like their relationship. <laughs> I mean, I I think it's also that you can only do one art at a time, so he probably can't cook either. <laughs> <laughs> he can't <Yeah>. compromise. <laughs> Yes, can't yeah. compromise. He's it's 100% just, jazz totally all the jazz. time. Yeah. Can't cook, can't meet yeah. in the middle for a relationship. Like, ugh. Yeah, his no. brain is just mostly jazz and then a little bit horn. Honk. Right. <laughs> he seems to be a pretty good driver. I'll give him that. <laughs> is that an art? Maybe. This has been a Movie John podcast. Uh, I like jazz. Um. <laughs> <laughs>